Episode 193 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Midtown and Rebound podcast network, all a part of the Fans First Sports Network of Podcasts. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week, another episode of the show. Decent amount to get to. This is a really a state of the Knicks offseason podcast. It feels like we have not been uh, fully engaged on the Knicks offseason so far. And part of the reason is because the Knicks didn't really have much of a storyline at the draft. Another reason is because there hasn't been a ton of Knicks news coming out as far as a ton of moves, besides, of course, the Dante DiVincenzo signing, which we have covered. So I just kind of want to do a little bit of a round robin, a couple of stories to get to, just to give you an update on what's been happening, what could happen as far as Nick's roster moves as the offseason moves on, and as we go through these summer months, because there is still quite a bit that could happen. Now, before we get started, I do want to mention a couple of things. Number one, um, I do want to give a brief update about what I've been doing with my other job. And the reason for that is because, as I mentioned on the last uh, two podcasts, uh, the last few months have been pretty crazy. It's been a very busy few months. Uh, I've not been posting as much as I'd like to. I feel like I'm trying to get back to that now. The last two podcasts in particular were great to just kind of get back into the flow a little bit. And you know, one of the things I always tell you on the podcast is to is to follow me on Twitter at SJ7, or you can follow me on Instagram at real Sean St. Jacques. Those are the two best places to keep up with everything that I'm doing uh, with my play-by-play broadcasting job. It's not something I talk about a lot on this show. I want to keep it focused on the Knicks and the NBA and at the topic at hand, but sometimes it overlaps and also sometimes uh, it is a reason why I don't get to do the podcast as much as I'd like to because my play-by-play job is my, you know, my main, my main job. So uh, I have been getting amazing opportunities recently with my main job. I got a chance to commentate uh, over the CONCACAF Gold Cup, including doing the U.S. men's national team during the group stage and other national teams as well, Mexico, Jamaica, Canada, uh, and others. So that was a really special you know, thing, getting to do a major tournament for soccer was amazing. And then last night, I uh, got to do, uh, and I've been doing a couple of friendlies recently, but last night I did a friendly between LA Galaxy 2, their reserve team, the MLS side, uh, against Wrexham AFC, the team that it's owned by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney uh, in Wales. So it really has been a special time uh, with really cool and awesome opportunities. So uh, that's been a big reason why I have been busy. Um, and I just wanted to give a shout out to all of the fans that either you know listen to this podcast or don't listen to this podcast all the time that have been giving me a lot of support, whether it's for this podcast or for my career in general, because there have been some really, really cool things, you know, career highlights, you know, those kind of moments that you never expect to get to have happen, but they, when they do happen, they're very special. So I really appreciate all of the positive feedback I've been getting uh, from all of you, from everyone listening to the podcast, everyone that follows me on social media and keeps up with my career. Uh, it really means a lot. It's, uh, it's something I'm very lucky and fortunate that I get to do. It's it's a dream job. 
and uh, to share it with you, and as you know, as, as well as my family, friends, and and all of that, of course, as well. But it really is special, and I just wanted to reiterate my thanks and appreciation to all of you for that support. It really does mean a lot. Transitioning now to the Knicks, because again, I do. You know, not to make it too firm there, but you know, we are here to talk Knicks. We're here. <laughs> you know, you're, you you the reason that you are subscribed and and uh, and listen week in and week out is to hear about the Knicks. So um, I will, you know, end my uh, you know de facto acceptance speech, if you will, here, and <laughs> we'll move on to the good stuff. So um, there was news, and this is where I want to start because I almost talked about this on the last episode, but it really kind of broke over the last few days that there was a real chance that the New York Knicks could be potentially making a move to try and get Joel Embiid from the Philadelphia 76ers. And it, it's a a move that when I first heard about it uh, did not make me very happy, I will, I will say. Um, there is still mixed... Um, there's still mixed reporting over whether the Knicks are still interested uh, as well. Um, I believe there was a Philadelphia 76ers insider um, that talked about the, uh, I think it was Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer, saying that it's possible that the Knicks are still going to be inquiring about Joel Embiid. Apparently, Joel owns a house in New York. I did not know that. Um... So that is very interesting as well. And apparently Pompey says that uh, he, quote, can see it absolutely happening. The Knicks pursuing a potential trade for Joel Embiid. That is still in play. Although, again, uh, SNYZ and Begley and others have kind of talked about, you know, what the deal could look like and and things like that. But uh I think there was an SI article that basically kind of said, you know, it could be off the table, but there's still some people floating it out there that uh, this could be possible. And that makes me a little nervous for a few reasons. Now, I think if you've listened to me do this podcast for long enough, and we've been doing this for four or five years now, it's been... It's been a while since since around July of 2019. I think we just had our fourth year anniversary at the beginning of this month. And I really just want to say in that regard, if you've been listening for that long, first of all, another big thank you is in order. It really means a lot that we've been doing this show for so long and the thousands of you each year, tens of thousands of you really each year that listen to the podcast. I mean, it really is a humbling thing. And now, again, I will say we have, you know, because of our switch of networks, we're no longer with Vox Media and SB Nation. Um, those numbers have been cut. It's been tougher to for some people to find the podcast. You know, as uh, I've had to have a few, you know, friends, family, colleagues, and just fans, you know, you know, they're searching for the pod. They don't know where to find it. And luckily, we've been able to redirect some of those people uh, to your normal ways to get podcasts, but just under a new network title, which is what confused some people. So, first of all, thank you for sticking with this show for as long as you have. But the second thing that you'll know about me, if you've been listening long enough, 
is I'm not the biggest fan of Joel Embiid. And I've been trying to take my bias out of that. The reason I don't like Joel Embiid is because for someone that gets injured all the time, he acts like he's the greatest player of our generation. And that rubs me the wrong way. It's something he has certainly not earned. And for someone that has never played in an Eastern Conference Finals, he acts like he is this amazing player. And he's a great player, but you do need a resume to back that up, and he doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it. And for for me, in, in a league where the MVP award is kind of getting more and more diminished because of how the regular season is handled by teams nowadays... Um, I'm not saying it's a nothing award. I'm just saying it's not worth as much as it used to be worth 10, 20, 30 years ago. Just isn't. Uh, an MVP, you know, doesn't mean the same anymore. So you need more than that nowadays to cement your legacy in the NBA. You need deep postseason runs, finals appearances, and rings. You know, I mean, look at what Jimmy Butler has done. Hasn't won a ring, but two finals appearances in the last four years. And he's, you know, being moved up in these legacy conversations. That's how you do it. That's how you build a legacy. I mean, Steph Curry, if he wins another ring, could be right up there with LeBron James in this conversation of best of this era. Five rings. You know, that's what we're talking about here. So those are the kind of conversations. Joel Embiid is nowhere near those conversations. Has not played in an Eastern Conference Finals. Now listen, I'm not saying that that's the reason why I wouldn't want the Knicks to pursue him. The reason is because he gets hurt all the time when you need him. That's the issue. Joel Embiid for what the Knicks would potentially have to give up, and essentially, according to Ian, Ian Begley, the, the Knicks would be, essentially have to give up R.J. Barrett, almost non-negotiable. They would have to trade R.J. Barrett to have a successful chance at getting a deal done, and then two more big-time players. And the... The two that are mentioned by Ian Begley in the article are Emmanuel Quickly and Quentin Grimes. Those that is what a package would look like to get Joel Embiid. You'd give up your, you know, your franchise cornerstone draft pick, who is really starting to grow into his own, and he played much better in the postseason this time around than he did in his first go around two years ago. He's growing, he's getting better. And really could be a big piece to what the Knicks are doing for the next five, seven years. He really could be. Or do you give that up along with two other young, promising talents? Quickly, at times, played much better in this postseason. Quentin Grimes could have a very, very bright future ahead of him. No question about that. Certainly, Tom Thibodeau feels that he is worth keeping around. Worth mentioning again, worth uh, reminding everybody, Quentin Grimes was a deal-breaker in Donovan Mitchell trade talks last offseason. He was the player Tom Thibodeau wouldn't part with. And we started to get a glimpse last season as to why he wants him around this team. Why he wants him to play big minutes 
for this team. That is a lot to give up for somebody who, yes, has put up big numbers. Yes, has won an MVP. Yes, has big-time talent still in his repertoire. But in the big moments where the Knicks fell last year, the second round, Joel Embiid doesn't tend to get over the hurdle. And listen, with all due respect to the Knicks, you could argue Joel Embiid had more around him last season. Better players around him. A still capable James Harden. A very good Tobias Harris. A great player in Tobias Harris. Tyrese Maxey. The, I mean, the list goes on and on here. And Philly's always had great players around Joel Embiid. They never get it done. They can never get to that Eastern Conference Finals. And this past year is arguably the most heartbreaking of all of them. They had a lead at home in Game 6 with two minutes left. Finish it off and you beat the Celtics and you move on to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time under this project, this uh, process, as it's been called, of course. And the, the Sixers completely, completely throw it away. And the Celtics, as I expected them to do, rolled them in Game 7. They, they, they took the life out of Philly in Game 7. And it was because of the way Game 6 ended. They needed to win that game. And they just don't have the DNA to get it done. The other part of this, too, is, again... Do you want that personality in a locker room where you know, we just had the incident with Obi Top, but I don't know how much of that was true as to what happened. But Tom Thibodeau does not take that kind of crap. I Listen, Joel Embiid's a star player, but he's got to fit in. He's got to go with the flow a little bit. Acquiesce to the culture the Knicks are building. Joel Embiid could impact that culture. Make no mistake about that. The culture that's been set up in Philly is we'll take all the plaudits when things are going well and when things are not going so well. We point the finger. It's not my fault. Change it up around me. I'm staying. It's my team. And get better players because these guys aren't good enough and I'm good enough and they're not. That doesn't fly, man. That doesn't fly. And I think Philly fans are starting to get tired of it. And I sure as heck know that Knicks fans would not put up with it. With what the Knicks have been building. It takes the, it takes the right kind of star to fit into a kind of team the Knicks have put together. Julius Randle, again, not maybe not the same level as Embiid, I give you that. But he had to acquiesce this past season. Jalen Brunson, it's his team. Julius Randle had to fit in, and boy, did he ever do well in that role. He did amazing. So you look at that and you go, can Joel Embiid do that? I don't think so. (laughs) At this point in his career, I really don't think he's capable of doing that. And that's the bottom line. It's the way he handles these kinds of situations and particularly on social media, I, I think he handles it very poorly when push comes to shove, when the backs are against the wall, 
or when changes have to be made or when he forces changes to be made, whatever the case may be. I think he's extremely, dare I say, unprofessional with the way he handles some of this stuff. And I really don't think he would be a good fit for the New York Knicks. Now, if they pursue it, I really hope that the Knicks continue to stick to their guns and only do the the move that works best for them. You know, drive a hard bargain with Philly. This is a division rival. You don't want them to wipe your your reserves out just to get one player who's great but has not been good enough to really reach the big heights that were expected of him. I mean, that's been the biggest disappointment around Joel Embiid, that he's just not been able to reach any of the heights that people thought he could reach. I mean, that's really the bottom line. And that's what would have made, you know, potential Damian Lillard trade, I think, work. Lillard's a guy that is not only a leader, but he's somebody that's a team player. He fits in to the culture and makes it better. He's a leader, and he's a whale of a player. That combination between Lillard and Brunson, I think, could have worked. But it seems pretty clear that Damian Lillard wants to go to South Beach and wants to join the Miami Heat, unfortunately. But that, in a scenario, would have been worth exploring, I think. And I believe I've mentioned it briefly that, you know, yes, would there be an interesting fit to, that, that would have needed to be worked out? Absolutely. With the way Jalen Brunson likes to play in this Knicks system, Damian Lillard would come in and things would need to slightly change. I think there's no question about that. I think the big thing comes down to that the Knicks need a bona fide superstar who's going to fit this team culture-wise and basketball-wise, and I think Lillard fits both of those better than Joel Embiid does. So I get it. The ship has sailed on Lillard, it, it appears. So you look at an Embiid scenario, and I, and I hope that the Knicks come to this conclusion, that it's just not worth it. It's not worth it for what the Knicks would have to give up to deal with this kind of stuff. I mean, this is just not what the Knicks need at the moment. And and I really do feel like that they can do better. That they could do better. And, you know, the fact that there's rumors that Philly's open to doing this, I mean, it just tells you where they're at with the with the process. They're looking to kind of bail here. You know, this this last year's team got as close as they've come. Besides that year where Kawhi hit that crazy shot in game seven. This is the closest the Sixers have come. Game six on your home floor, a lead, two minutes to go against your arch rivals that keep knocking you out of the postseason every year. And the sorry, the, the Sixers folded. Instead of trying to seize the moment, they folded like a cheap suit, as they say. And the Celtics ripped it away from them and then took game seven in Boston. And the Sixers became an afterthought. And now the future looks very bleak for Philly, and part of me makes part of me does not want to pick up the leftovers of a failed process, even if they are as good as Joel Embiid. I, I think that there is there's an issue there. Now, if Joel Embiid is willing to, you know, if I'm willing to look past the culture stuff, I still worry about his injuries, how injury prone he is. That might be even more of an important reason why 
The Knicks should stay away from Embiid more than the shenanigans off the court and on social media. I really do feel like that, you know, you look at Joel Embiid uh, at his track record, and he is just injured way too much. Do the Knicks want to take that on? I don't know. I really hope not. It's a huge gamble, considering, again, what the Knicks would potentially have to give up three high-caliber players and then maybe even some picks on top of that, and you're just getting a injury-prone Joel Embiid back. I, and what are you getting? Maybe two or three years more of his prime? When this group, as it's currently constituted, with the right star in there, we're talking six or seven years of playoff runs. That's that's what I think you're looking at, potentially, if you get it right. And, and I think the Knicks can do better. I really do. I, I think if they're patient and they continue to build this team and the culture around it, they could be one of the fixtures in the postseason out of the East for the next six or seven years and maybe even make a run deep into the postseason, Eastern Conference Finals, maybe even NBA Finals. I think it's possible. I really do. So we'll see. We will see how that all plays out. One more parting shot, one more piece of news that I do want to get to before we end the podcast this time around. Uh, Knicks are still looking to shop Evan Fournier. Uh, this has been a long developing story. The, the more recent team to be put into the fold uh, would be San Antonio. And there have been a few articles, I think most notably, um, I think it's from uh, actually Bleacher Report initially, called the potential trade between San Antonio and the Knicks, quote-unquote, bold. But the move wouldn't take too much, uh, you know, roster movement to get done. And essentially, according to Bleacher Report, the the framework for the deal would look something like this: Evan Fournier and a 2024 second round pick would go to the San Antonio Spurs, and the Knicks, who would be in search of a a shooter, a three and D guy in return, would get former Creighton star Doug McDermott in return and some of you uh may have heard of uh dougie mcbuckets not just from his uh exploits with his dad at creighton but of course doug mcdermott has been in the nba for quite some time and he's actually a former nick as well 2017 2018 he was on the knicks uh from okc i believe he was with the bulls for a while okc then the knicks then he briefly went to Dallas, and then I believe he was then in Indiana for a few seasons. And now uh, I believe he's in, he, he would be, be going into, I believe, his third year with the San Antonio Spurs. And, and I li- listen, I think that that's a nice little trade-off if that's what the deal ends up looking like. I do think that he would be somebody that the Knicks could, you know, you take Evan Fournier out and you need a rotation guy. McDermott was okay for the Knicks first time around. wasn't great. He was okay. But what what the Knicks are doing now under Tom Thibodeau, I, I think that that could definitely work. There's no question about that. And uh, if memory serves, um, those Bulls teams that he was on, I think, 
and actually I want to check this now. I didn't check this before the show. Um, because Doug McDermott was on the Bulls from 2014 to 2017, and I believe uh, that during that stint, uh, yes, Tom Thibodeau was his head coach for one or two of those seasons. Tibbs was with the Bulls from 2010 to 2015, so they overlapped there. They've been together before. So I, I could see this relationship working out rather swimmingly with a potential move, and you move on from Fournier, who's clearly been shown the door already without being shown the door by the Knicks. You know, they haven't played him in God knows how long. And you can maybe upgrade at that position and get somebody that's committed to the cause, and you deepen your rotation with a little move like that if the Spurs are willing to to go that route. So I, I really do feel like that could be a nice um, move for the Knicks to make that's more low-key, more of a low-key move, not a big splashy move, but it improves the team. And that's really the kind of moves the Knicks are looking to make at the moment to make the team better. And then if you miss out on a big star, you're still improved going into the next season. And that's what hurt the Knicks, right? After that Atlanta playoff loss, the Knicks didn't really improve the team. And that hurt them the following season in a lot of ways. And then they made the move for Brunson. And that changed everything. That made the Knicks more high-profile again. It made them playoff contenders and playoff series winners over Cleveland. And now we look at what the Knicks can do moving forward, and they can add and slowly but surely improve. And then if they get a star, they'll drastically improve if they fit into what the Knicks are trying to do with this team. So very interesting stuff. Very excited to see what's going to be happening in the weeks and months ahead as well. And we'll leave it there on this episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Really appreciate all of the love and support, not only for the podcast, but for the other work I'm doing away from the podcast as well. It really means a lot. I'm really appreciative of it. And um, I really, really love providing that kind of content that you guys enjoy. So it really is, um, I, I feel very thankful and very grateful for it. And I feel very, um, uh, it makes me feel very good. So thank you so much. Again, it really means a lot. Um, and that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Again, one final time, thank you so much as always for listening to the show. Stay safe out there. Have a great week. And I will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Midtown and Rebound podcast network, all part of the Fans First Sports Network. See you, everybody.